This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey folks, it's Ben here with a couple of new quick announcements. We have a new Twitter handle that's probably more in line with the current direction of the show. It's at Kickass News Pod instead of the previous name at KA Politics. If you're already following us on Twitter, you don't need to refollow us or change a thing. It'll just update our name in your Twitter feed. So don't be alarmed when you see at Kickass News Pod. It's just me. Also, we're in the midst of raising our production budget for 2017, so if you enjoy the show, I really hope you'll consider showing your support by making a donation to GoFundMe.com slash KickAssNews. And even if you can't do that, another way you can support the podcast is by patronizing some of our great sponsors. Be sure to use the links and promo codes mentioned in our advertisements or get them from our sponsor page because that lets our advertisers know that you're a Kickass News listener. And it also gets you in on some great offers and big-time discounts just for fans of the show. Finally, if you have a moment, please take our listener survey at podsurvey.com slash kick. And now, enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. A few months ago, I did a two-part series on the future of artificial intelligence. And in part two, I talked with Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley, who are the co-creators and executive producers of the BBC and AMC television show Humans. The dramatic series takes place in the near or parallel future, in which people live and work alongside a servant class of eerily humanoid robots called synthetic humans, or synths. Toward the end of last year's season one, these synths begin to show glimmers of human-like consciousness. But in season two, which kicks off tonight, Monday, February 13th at 10, 9 central on AMC, synths continue to learn and adapt even faster, hurtling ever closer to that superintelligence explosion that AI theorists have dubbed the singularity, the moment when machines surpass humans. And with it comes all kinds of big questions that may not be so far from reality. Like what kind of backlash might come from the robot takeover of increasingly skilled jobs? Do machines that have human-like consciousness and intelligence then deserve human rights? And might computers one day unlock the key to eternal life? Today I'll talk about those and more when I welcome the creators of Humans, Jonathan Brackley and Sam Vincent, back on the podcast. And then I'll talk with the stars of Humans, Gemma Chan, Tom Goodman-Hill, and Sam Palladio. Gemma Chan plays a synthetic human or synth who has achieved consciousness, and in this season we see her develop surprisingly human feelings for a man struggling to make ends meet and understand his own emotions, played by a new addition to the cast, Sam Palladio. And Tom Goodman Hill returns as a working man who initially in season one embraced synths, actually more than just embraced them, but in season two, he begins to see them as a threat to both his job and his family. Today we'll discuss how consciousness might spread among intelligent machines, what that moment of realization might be like from their perspective, and whether recent behavioral and psychological disorders arising from kids' attachment to smart devices might foreshadow an even more disturbing problem to come. 
Plus, the lovely Gemma Chan shares what it's like to go to synth school. We cover robot marriage counselors, hot robot human love, and the Scarlett Johansson robot. Coming up with the cast and creators of AMC's Humans in just a moment. I'm happy to welcome Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley back to the podcast. They are the executive producers and co-creators of Humans. Guys, great to sit down with you in person this time. Great Absolutely, yeah. There. Thanks for having us back. Well, last time we spent quite a bit of time talking about AI. Um, I'm excited about this second season because there is so much going on in this season that mirrors things that I've been talking about over the past year with other guests who are futurists, robotics, AI experts, even economists. We have robots starting to take over higher skilled jobs up the ladder. Uh, human rights is coming into it. The idea of being able to upload a person's consciousness. Um, has season two given you more freedom to explore a broader range of topics in the near future? Yes, I think it has. Um, I mean, it's the central conceit of this show, as as was um, you know, created by the original series, the Swedish series, which we adapted it from, um, allows us to do that. It's a 360-degree mm -hmm. concept, as we always say, because you, you're going from the ground floor, it's about family and setting the parallel present, that we, we get to tell all sides of those stories and all of those things you just said, the, the civil rights, people losing their jobs, um, uploading consciousnesses it's all it's all in there and we you know we find that the format the dna of the show allows us to do that and keep going to new places yeah um before we talked about some of the research and some of the books that informed your writing on the first season ai and robotics advances so quickly i wonder if in writing season two were there other books or other research that's informed some of the issues that you're dealing with in season two We've certainly been lucky enough to talk to some um, AI experts and uh, mm -hmm. also an expert in, in consciousness while we were researching and, and writing um, the second series. So, you know, though, though, talking to those people, they've been, you know, invaluable in, in, in sort of uh, furthering our understanding of AI. Uh, and certainly the, um, the AI expert that we, we've spoken to, um, one of the most interesting things he was talking about is that AI is going to be a tool for us. Um, Whereas, you know, a lot of the uh, headlines around this subject matter are always uh, looking towards the sort of dystopian view of mm -hmm. AI and how the robots are going to rise up and kill us all in our beds. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, there are very intelligent people um, like e Elon Musk and, and Stephen Hawking um, saying uh, that uh, AI is going to be the next uh, you know, great existential threat to humanity. The people we've spoken to um, are a lot more optimistic. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a valuable tool, particularly for uh, crunching sort of big data. The algorithms they use uh, in AI will be able to sort of sort, understand and interpret big data to help us fix the world's problems. You know, things like, like healthcare, like the economy, um, like the environment. Mm -hmm. What John's saying is that Musk and Hawking don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we, we make up our show and it's just like more and, than what they say. Well, you know, since you brought it up, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there kind of an Elon Musky character in season two? I think it, there, there, is a, there is a Silicon Valley 
um, whiz kid, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, he, he isn't based on Elon Musk, but I think he probably takes um, elements from all of those guys, you know, his, um, Musk and Zuckerberg and even Gates and and um, and all the rest of them. Um, but he kind of, you know, we kind of folded a lot of um, people that uh, are incredibly interesting, some that we really admire, some that we don't admire into this character. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you yeah, know, absolutely, because it's really, there does seem to be um, those kind of people who are at the forefront of, of this, mm-hmm. those companies. So um, we wanted to try and portray a little bit of that and catch mm-hmm. that side of it. Yeah, and that character runs a company that is working on trying to actually purposefully give consciousness to sense. Um, my question in thinking about that when I was watching it is, why would a human want to purposely create artificial intelligence and give it consciousness? That seems like you know assuring our own destruction, if you ask me. Well, um, I don't know. I think I question that assumption. It's in, I think yeah? it's interesting. Okay, I mean, does it, okay. It, I'm it, open. Is creating another person... Um, if you were creating another human being from scratch, mm-hmm. would, do, does that necessarily mean that they want to kill you just because you've could, right? They, Certainly no they, more than do anything else to any other human. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. they love you as a, as your as their creator? That's it's, true. It's a it's an inter- we it's an interesting assumption that we um, uh, you know the other thing is like John says we AI is sort of talked about in sort of the popular press in this in sort of scaremongering terms mm-hmm. as if it's this kind of self-actuating force. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like people lose sight of the fact this is something we're doing. We're making it. You know, people are making yeah, it. Yeah, we're choosing um, to do this. It's not coming out of nowhere, which is almost the kind of tone of the discourse around it, mm-hmm. that it's just coming and there's nothing we can do and we're <laughs> all going to die. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think, um, I mean, as for why would you create consciousness, I mean, I think that's kind of goes back to sort of Prometheus and... Uh, things like that because if one I mean I guess on a getting slightly philosophical and theological about it if you could create an artificial human mm-hmm. um, then you have equaled the achievement of God right yeah which is um, there's a nice uh, line in Ex Machina which is obviously a, a film about these things where they where uh, Oscar Isaac's character is asked why he wants to create uh, conscious machines and he says well what do you mean? Why? Why? Why wouldn't you? Because you can, you know. On a sort of commercial level, I would say that you may want to grant a synth consciousness because you don't. And it's a line that we had in our first season, in that people don't just want to be served; they want to be loved. Hmm. So think about your relationship with your pet. Um, isn't that about the reciprocity of emotion? Mm-hmm. The fact that you are loved and it relies on you and loves you unconditionally. So I think there, you know, there's definitely a, a realistic commercial application for yeah. conscious machines. And that's an interesting area that you're exploring in season two, because we are starting to see real synth human relationships, yeah. possibly synths falling in love, figuring out what their sexual preference is, even sure. <laughs> trying to understand sex and appreciate it in a human way, as opposed to being used as an object it's an interesting new world in that yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, season two is 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 about relationships. Um, if if season one um, was uh, the season that was about families, um, the the human family and the synth family and their interactions, then I think season two is about relationships, relationships between um, humans and synths, between synths and synths, between humans and humans, and all the 
difficulties, uh, wonderful things and impossibilities that lie therein. I haven't watched the entire season, but I'm wondering if at a certain point emotionally a synth hits a wall where they can experience a certain range of emotions and attachment to a person, but perhaps maybe they can't quite make the leap to a real loving relationship in the sense that humans understand it, at least. That's well, an interesting well, idea. Well, maybe they feel more. Yeah. You know, maybe hmm. maybe a synthetic consciousness is okay. a, somehow a, a, a greater, more encompassing consciousness than humans. Hmm. Maybe we're the ones that are limited That's in our interesting. consciousness. That's interesting. You know, in season two, consciousness is spreading slowly like a virus, they say, which is exactly how AI theorists have indicated that it might happen. But when I've talked to them, they also say that it could grow at an exponential rate. Spoilers. No, we don't, <laughs> well, we, we don't, don't want to get spoilers. Okay, no, no, no. Certainly the, um, yeah, certainly the prospect of yeah. uh, an exponential growth um, is, is causing some uh, some forces, some agencies yeah. to, yeah. Uh, to, uh, to okay. impose that. So, so, there is certainly an intelligence explosion, I think, of yeah. the term they use um, on the horizon in, okay. in the world of our show. So more likely than inertia, I guess. Can we, can we put yes. it that way? It's <laughs> yes. probably not going to slow yes. down. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, one thing that we all talked about, I guess about six months ago, is the idea that once you give a machine consciousness, is it then entitled to some kind of human rights? And I was excited to see that that's something that you're exploring in season two. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something we absolutely wanted to get into. Um, because we, I guess we sort of don't see that you could possibly argue against the idea that if, you know, if you could satisfy yourself that machine had some level of consciousness and, and feeling, you would you would then have to explore the question of granting it some sort of rights. Because if we think of mm -hmm. consciousness is on a sliding scale, it's not just us human beings that have rights. Animals have rights too, and that is because they have a level of um, consciousness and, and feeling and sensation and. Um, and so they're afforded in most countries, you know, a certain level of protections, which is always lesser than, uh, than what we have, of course, but is more than nothing. Um, you know, you can't just kill animals willy-nilly. Um, just to use the term willy-nilly there on the podcast. <laughs> I wonder if that's the first. Um, and you can't, you know, cause pain to animals for no good reason, etc. And... Um, that is because we know that they can feel and, mm -hmm. and we have some sort of relationship with them and they have a level of consciousness. Um, so we wanted to get into that. But of course, you know, it is a hugely thorny issue. As soon as you start to consider granting these kind of, some kind of protection to machines, you open up a, an incredible minefield. If these mm -hmm. machines are, you are reliant on for your economy to work, um, then granting them rights and privileges is going to be hugely problematic and thorny, um, you know, much as has been exactly the case with many groups of oppressed people mm -hmm. over the entire course of human history. You know, they, uh, they're, they're you know, pressed into labor and, and, and in order to make that work, you have to um, keep up this mm -hmm. idea that they are less than people, that they yeah. are inferior. That's the only way you can justify it. You actually have synths taking over higher skilled jobs in season two and even synths acting as a couples therapist. Yeah. Um, I was interested in how a non-human analyzes and treats human emotions as yeah. a psychologist or as a therapist. Yeah. Uh, explain that to me. Well, I think we wanted, we, um, 
we wanted to have some fun with that. So we had we had this idea. We thought, oh, it would be funny. It would be funny if they, you know, our human couple had a synth marriage counselor. But then the scene really evolved because we thought, well, you know, obviously they're going to be suspicious. Um, but in actual fact, the synth has no is an unconscious synth. It doesn't have any uh, inherent or intuitive understanding of human emotion. It would all be kind of learned um, and reported knowledge. It obviously has no feelings of its own. But then we thought, well, yeah, but what it can do is sort of take a kind of mathematical, statistical approach. Mm-hmm. It can kind of look at uh, hundreds of thousands of similar cases of um, marriages in trouble and try and find the parallels and try and see what worked for them. Um, it's a very data-based approach. You know, and, um, a lot of what's happening in the world now is uh, we are taking sort of data-based uh, approaches to problems and trying to find the solutions in in the data um and uh you know just a, a film i watched moneyball the other day you know it's all about how you know you, you look at data okay and actually run counter to intuition or what you think is your mm-hmm. intuition it can be more effective just to look at cold hard data and we thought well maybe maybe just maybe that could be applied into the complex field of human mm-hmm. emotions as well and also you wouldn't be judged, right? You would, yeah. you would, you would feel a kind of certain oh, security. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. and ultimately the, 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 the synthetic marriage counsellor is analysing human emotion mm-hmm. without emotion. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we're, you know, whatever we do in our lives, we're bringing our sort of our yeah. human emotions to to bear mm-hmm. on whatever it is we're, we're looking at. And perhaps, perhaps it might be more useful to be able to look at things uh, sort of cold in a mm-hmm. way. Uh, to truly, you know, work out what's going on. Well, last time we talked, I asked you if you would want to be a synth. I'm sure you're sick of getting that. If you, sorry, last time we talked. No, that's a different question. Uh, yeah, yes. last, no, <laughs> that's more yeah, that's a whole. I, don't, yeah, I can't imagine. But I, I was going to say, last time we talked, I asked you if you would want a synth. I'm sure you're sick of that question by now. But in the new season. I feel that you're going into some territory similar to something that I talked to Michio Kaku and other people about, which is this idea that one day we might be able to upload our consciousness and, in theory, basically live forever. Mm -hmm. Any takers on that? Would we want to try that? Um, I'm kind of tempted. I can't intend it. John's very frightened of death. I'm frightened of death. Um, (laughs) You know, I I like life and there's an awful lot of it, a lot lot of the world and uh, knowledge of of human history that I haven't seen or experienced or understood. Um, So maybe if I could uh, live forever, I'd uh, complete it. Yeah. (laughs) Complete complete the the world. Yeah. I don't don't think that I would, um, the sort of um, incipient promise of immortality and the idea Mm. of, uh, uploading your consciousness. I don't think um, I'm very interested in that. Um, I'd love to have a go because <laughs> it would be fantastic, you know, if I could temporarily put my consciousness into a machine because it would be amazing to experience the universe like. and myself in a completely different framework and context and how would everything feel? And we explore this, going, how, how is mm-hmm. it different? You know, and the different consciousness of, what, of which you speak in the show, they... There are moments where it tries to convey how different it is to be from human. And whilst human beings may be able to feel certain things that, it, that an artificial consciousness can never do, an artificial consciousness can do things and think things that a human being can never do. So yeah. there are different approaches. I'd, I don't want to stick around forever in a machine. Yeah. Maybe, no. I would, maybe if I would like, was just 
woken up every 10,000 years to see what was going on, just to have <laughs> curiosity and then go back okay. in. I like cryogenics. I don't want to just be rattling around inside yeah. the mainframe for all eternity. <laughs> that sounds like hell. Okay. Um, before we go, after the last interview, I think I came up with a perfect guest star for you guys, and I've been dying to sit down with you and suggest it for season three here. Hear me out. Okay. Scarlett Johansson does a cameo as the Scarlett Johansson robot. What do you think? Right. If she's you, you do know the Scarlett Johansson yeah, no, robot, we, right? The, the guy in Japan. I think we might <laughs> be able to get the robot. Um, yeah. I think we might not be able to get um, Scarlett. Okay. We'll, we'll, <laughs> she we'll, might do it for a lark. We'll reach, you never know. We'll reach out. Yeah, well, let's reach out. Let's try the, the, well, the question is, which one has a, a broader emotional range? <laughs> oh, oh. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, it would be quite funny because you could say, um, you could say, like, you know, you could sort of go to the synth store, persona store, and say, you know, the new Scarlett Johansson is in, and she could just be standing there, and a character come up and say, you know, well, this the new Scarlett—they're really getting, they're really almost there with this now. <laughs> yeah, not quite. quite. The not next quite. next generation yeah. of Firewatch. Yeah. Next version. <laughs> yeah, five point oh. That would be fun. Well, Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I'll talk with the stars of Humans, Gemma Chan, Tom Goodman-Hill, and Sam Palladio, when we come back in just a moment. I'll tell you, folks, these days you can get practically anything on demand, just like this podcast. You can listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So in this on-demand age, why on earth are you still living in the 20th century going to the post office and dealing with their limited hours and long waits when you can be getting postage on demand with Stamps.com? Anything you can do at the post office, you can now do right from your desk with Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes, so you can get postage whenever you need it 24-7. I've been wanting to try Stamps.com for a while now, so I was thrilled when they wanted to let me try their product. It's super easy to do. You just print it and slap it on your letter or package, and you're done. And if you have a small business, it's so much better than using those clunky postage meters where you have to pay to preload them with postage, deal with all kinds of hidden fees, and get locked into long-term contracts. With Stamps.com, you buy as little or as much postage as you need, and there are no long-term contracts. They've really perfected the art of postage. And right now, use my promo code KICK for a special offer, a four-week trial that includes postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in KICK. Again, that's Stamps.com. Enter code KICK. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Folks, when you're constantly on the go, life gets chaotic. You're working late, got to go to the gym, pick up the dry cleaning, pick up the kids. It never ends. And I just don't have time to be running back and forth from the grocery store. That's why Home Chef is my new best friend. Home Chef offers delicious, easy-to-prepare meals delivered straight to my door with no headaches or hassles. Home Chef is for busy professionals like you and I who love a tasty meal but don't have time to plan and prep. With Home Chef, I get to cook like a five-star chef whenever I want. 
Their mouth-watering meals and pre-portioned ingredients are so easy to prepare, it only takes 30 minutes. And that gives me more time to relax after surviving another busy day. In fact, just last night I had Home Chef's Parisian Bistro steak with dauphinoise potatoes and green beans. Those green beans were fresh, the steak was a good, tender, flavorful cut of meat. It made a nice presentation on the plate, it smelled great, it tasted fantastic, and it really did only take 30 minutes. Simple as can be, even for me. With 13 dinner options and new breakfasts that rotate each week, Home Chef has something to delight everyone. Home Chef's weekly meal delivery system fits my crazy schedule, and that's why I keep coming back. And right now, if you go to homechef.com slash kickass, you'll get $30 in free meals. That's homechef.com slash kickass for 30 bucks in free meals. Do yourself a favor. Make your life easier and more delicious at homechef.com slash kickass. Now, folks, you've heard me talk about the importance of a good night's sleep on a number of previous episodes. It's essential to your mental alertness, for your physical and emotional well-being, even for your overall longevity, because that's the time when your body renews and repairs itself. So if you're not getting a good night's sleep, you're cheating yourself. But that's where Casper wants to help. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foam creates an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. So much so that Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Because Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. So they even offer free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. And right now, Casper has a special offer for Kick-Ass News listeners. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com kick and using the offer code kick. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's casper.com kick and the offer code kick. You know, when it comes to cooking, not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. Thankfully, for less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients, courtesy of over 150 local farms, ranches, and fisheries across the United States, right to your door. And because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, there's no food waste. It's everything you need to make sustainable, delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Just some of the meals available in February include cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice, udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs, roast pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad, and crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com kick. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. 
That's blueapron.com slash kick. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And now, back to the podcast. I'm talking with Gemma Chan, who plays Mia, a.k.a. Anita, an artificially intelligent humanoid robot known as a synthetic human or synth. And Tom Goodman Hill, who plays Joe, who in season two is sort of struggling with being a man in a synth world. And a new addition to the cast, Sam Palladio, who plays Ed, a human in a relationship with a synth. Gemma, Sam, and Tom, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for having us. First, I'd be very curious, Gemma, what is synth school like? Uh, Synth school is is quite hardcore. Um, It's run by a really brilliant choreographer called Dan O'Neill. And um, all the actors who play synths in the show, whether they're part of the main cast or guest cast or um, or the supporting artists, they all have to go through synth school because there are kind of rules about the movement of synths. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's really about stripping back all your normal physical human tics and uh, learning to do um, everything differently in a synth-like <laughs> manner, uh, which is just kind of hard. I found it harder I, the second time around. I think it would around. be hard. It, yeah, it's surprisingly hard. You do so many things subconsciously that you don't realize that you're yeah. doing them. Um, and it's only when someone points them out, you think, oh God, I really do. Um, apparently I have an overactive left arm when I walk. Really? That's what I've been told <laughs> by Dan. So you're swinging your left arm too much. You're going to notice it now in the show. I think I'm no, just the left arm. Just the left arm. It's bizarre. I think I had once had a woman told me that I had an overactive left arm. <laughs> and then she hit me. But um, that's interesting. So like you probably have to like de- like deal with like more simplified motor functions and, and that type of thing? Or how complex um, is it? Well, I mean, there are two sides to, to playing a synth um, or two challenges, I, I would say. And one is the physical, which is um, because every movement uses up the equivalent of battery power, there's no movement that doesn't have a purpose. So oh, everything yeah. is is graceful and simplified. And, um, you know, if I was going to pick up that glass of water when I put it back down on the table, like it, you can't, it wouldn't wobble in any way. Mm-hmm. You put it straight down the, the, the shortest route. Um, <laughs> you, the, you wouldn't be left or right-handed. So I had to learn how to be ambidextrous. Um, and so on. And we also decided that the eyes lead all of the movements. So it's the opposite of what a human would do. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone calls your name from behind you, you might start to turn your body, then your head, and then your eyes would, might be last. Whereas we decided with a synth that yeah. the eyes go first, then yeah. the head, then the body. And that in itself is very oh, wow. weird um, to <laughs> yeah. see. And, and, that, and just yeah. that small detail um, you know, gives you that sense of these things not being human. And then the other side of the challenge is obviously playing a synth that has uh, human-like emotions, but mm-hmm. that are you know, repressed beneath the surface or coming through to varying degrees. And it was finding a way of how can you express that without being able to breathe too much or cry too much or blink yeah. too much. So uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenge. Yeah, and in season two, you do have consciousness and you actually mm. start to form an emotional attachment to Sam mm. here, who plays Ed, a human. And you seem to have romantic feelings for him. Now, I would think as a robot, that would be considered a waste of energy. Ah, uh, well, that's <laughs> you know? well, that's the thing. Yeah, what what are the, what are what's the purpose of of emotions and, and the rest of it? That's something that the show explores definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, for for Mia, she is drawn to Ed's character. She she sees uh, kindness in him and. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I suppose these things aren't logical and that's what makes us 
Mm-hmm. I suppose to be human is to be sometimes, yeah, illogical and, um, um, yeah, I can't, I can't really yeah. explain <laughs> well, it. Well, you know, Sam, I mean, nowadays, you know, they're already working on robots that can be love partners or <laughs> physical partners and so forth. Uh, what is that like for your character? How, uh, how do you form that connection? It's exciting because it's a very new um, area to explore. You know, mm-hmm. something that hasn't really been explored within the, the framework of humans. You know, uh, within the, the, the character arc. There. So it's 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 all it's new. Um, you know, Ed is a is a guy who hasn't really uh, grown up around synths. You know, we decided that 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 Mia really is one of the first synths he's had a lot of contact with. So. Um, in that sense, he treats her with humanity. You know, he sort of treats mm-hmm. her with uh, respect, and you know, and, and she sort of becomes his confidant. You know, um, mm. and as he's going through a lot of a lot of kind of um, family troubles and financial burdens and things, um, so it, it's sort of easy for him to humanize her. And then when it when it is revealed, you know, further down the story that she is sentient and that she has, she sort of reciprocates these feelings. It's just this new weird gray area where, you know, he, he, you know, he's been repressing his, uh, his attraction um, and doesn't quite know what to do with that. And when presented with this, uh, you know, uh, this affection, it's just, it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think, you know, in the real world, we're, we're, trying to work that out so i'm trying to work it out as an actor and yeah. as how sam would react to that and yeah um you know i think it, it creates some very interesting yeah. um story yeah and it's interesting territory because you know right now all of the talk that there is of robots you know, in terms of human relationships essentially it's boiled mm-hmm. down to a, the equivalent of a motorized sex doll mm-hmm. and on your show there's some of that uh, in that outsiders are skeptical of the relationship they look at it as something perverted or something kinky mm-hmm. and the idea of having a more emotional attachment to a machine it's almost a stigma against it i guess yeah i mean it's it's funny you look at um people who are obsessed with their cars you know mm-hmm. and and wanting to polish and clean and make you know the the um yeah that's the sort of object of their affection and um you know it it translates these are very intelligent cars yeah. <laughs> for one of a better explanation yeah um, yeah yeah we get attached yeah. to machines that's yeah, just how it is yeah, yeah. um some more than others i guess but um tom your character joe <laughs> 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 um, began as kind of an early adopter of synths uh in the first season and that kind of technology but in season two you're growing increasingly wary of technology it seems uh, you're grappling with issues that I've kind of read about that have been presaged in Martin Ford's book, Rise of the Robots, mm. jobs being outsourced to robots and mass unemployment. I feel like we're watching Tom slowly turn into like an alt-right Trump supporter. Maybe. Is that yeah, where he's I mean, headed? I, I, he's, not, he's not that. Uh, okay. He's not that bad. He's, he's, uh, I think what the problem with Joe is that he can't, uh, he can't deal with an emotional attachment mm-hmm. to a machine. So he... When he, uh, when he, uh, you know, has relations with Anita in the first season, it's because he 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 thinks that Anita is just a machine, and mm-hmm. uh, 
what he can't cope with is then confronting her as Mia and seeing that she has a whole emotional makeup and he just doesn't want to think of synths as being capable of that. And mm. uh, he eventually accepts it, but he can't deal with it. And so it's not so much that he's, you know, fascistic in his attitude. It's just that he doesn't think it's healthy for human beings to have to deal with it. And he's concerned mm -hmm. about the future for his children and for, right. for Pixie in particular, for Sophie's character, for Sophie. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up like Martin Ford and, and his book, which, yeah. I, which I've read. I've interviewed him actually. Really? I, I, oh, you have? Uh, yeah, I, I made a documentary about uh, the impact of, of AI on our oh, lives cool. at the moment. And, you know, he, he said something which was kind of terrifying that that 30% of the jobs in the UK mm -hmm. market will just won't exist in yeah. 10 to 15 years time or some, yeah. something crazy like that. And like, yeah. that is a huge, huge thing to happen. Yeah. It's happening at the moment, increasing automation. Mm -hmm. This is something we're gonna have to deal with as a society and we haven't figured out what we're gonna do. There just will not yeah. be enough jobs. We can talk about, you know, people are concerned about immigration and all the rest of it, but there just won't be, there won't be enough work for for us to do, and that will have huge economic impacts on yeah. everyone. Anyway, yeah. in our show touches on that with Joe's frustrations mm -hmm. with him being made redundant at work, and yeah. um, all of that. I think, um, yeah, it all seems very um, yeah. pertinent to what's going on for us. I mean, yeah, we're going to have really to face cheery up to that. Guy, I know, I, mean. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I finished talking to him, and she's like, "Okay, great, good, yeah." Yeah, but but yeah, in season two, you do see robots taking over the higher skilled jobs, even working as therapists, and you're replacing well, you as a manager, yeah. you know, somewhere Jonas, where you're Jonas building made, relationships. Yeah, he's made redundant by sense, yeah. talking to other sense. There's not yeah. even a human involved in his redundancy. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, that's, a, that's a difficult thing for him to deal with. But you have to, you have to dramatize these things mm -hmm. now. Because if you don't right. dramatize them now, if you don't approach them, if you don't, if you don't put it out there for the public to, to look at, then how are we ever going to deal with it when it actually happens? Yeah, and it could come sooner than we think. Exactly. Maybe not full-on humanoid robots, but, but it could come sooner than we think. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is that your daughter developed something called synth over-identification disorder, yeah. mm -hmm. which seems very familiar. I think to people right now because yeah. you have kids who are having all kinds of psychological and developmental problems just yeah. working with an iPhone all the time. Yeah, that's right. I have I have my own separation problems with my iPhone. So <laughs> I think for um, for yeah for kids growing up where they're so dependent on their iPhone and their you know their terminal whatever in whatever mm -hmm. form or even just their their you know their gaming um, device yeah. it's they're, they're so attached to it that. Uh, if you get to the point where they literally can't be without it, you're you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. You're going to be in trouble if that's the way you're going. I think it's such an interesting storyline, actually, in in season two. What's happening with Sophie, the youngest? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the the strongest scenes for me. You remember the scene where she she draws green eyes on a mirror to right. see goes over her own. Mm -hmm. It's such. A, it's a small moment, yeah. but it's so like you watch it. And you're, oh my God, if my daughter was behaving like that, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's and yeah. it's very real. And I think that's you know it's great that the show explores it. Right. The impact on every member of the family. That's um, true, yeah. yeah, it's hard to imagine a, a little girl trying to remove emotion, remove any, any humanity. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary and depressing as a parent, I'm sure. But yeah. that's what happens yeah. when teenagers put their put their phones down and they mm -hmm. go into a room of people. They don't know how to yeah. interact. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. that's that's absolutely just terrifying. Yeah. Well we were talking about the Martin Ford book and you know I've had so many AI theorists and experts on the show the best theorists and researchers in AI admit that they have pretty much no clue 
what the singularity might be like or what it might be like for a machine to process that moment. You, mm. Gemma, play a conscious machine or a machine that achieves consciousness. From your perspective as an actress, what would that moment be like for the character? Well, the thing about Mia is, is that she was created to be conscious from mm -hmm. the start. Um, so I suppose for her, um, the big moments are when something's happened to her and she's been there's been a programming on top of that to repress mm -hmm. her consciousness so she's not it's not consciousness is not something that she's gained gradually i suppose in season two you do meet since who who achieved that moment of the singularity right. um, and yeah and yeah, that's and, so and there yeah. are some drastic consequences. Yeah, there are there are some very very interesting yeah. repercussions actually yeah. because you know something oh uh, some, achieving consciousness all at once, yeah. um, having to deal with having all the memories that, that didn't have any emotional attachments and then and then having all of that mm. kind of um, and happening at the same time. I think yeah, you do see in the show some different sense react in different ways. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's sort of make, gaining yeah. that just as humans would, I imagine. Yeah. Yes, yeah. depending on the experiences they've had and the way that they're treated, yeah. exactly the same way that you know our experiences um, inform yeah. who we who we become. Yeah. So you you see very different results in yeah, different senses. It goes from sort of beautiful reactions to <laughs> terrifying yeah. reactions yeah. to. Dangerous, to, to yeah. Sociopathic and, reactions, yeah. right? And, but they're yeah. also the sum of their experiences. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, which yeah. in itself has an impact on. Uh, yeah. it, it reflects the way society dehumanizes human mm -hmm. beings now as well. Yeah. So it raises that question as well. That's yeah. when you see the different impacts on the synths in the show, you think to yourself, "Well, we're doing that to human beings yeah. as well." So it, it, yeah. it raises questions that are outside yeah. of the pure AI thing. Yeah. Um, Gemma, when you play this character, particularly when you play the synth uh, that's pre-conscious or before or when you go back to being uh, non-conscious, what is that like when you finish a scene? Is it exhausting when you come out of that headspace? I mean, do, do you sit with the rest of the cast at lunch or <laughs> no, are you separated? Is, what is it like? Recharges. <laughs> um, I, I mean, for me, I, I love being able to play the two different size the character Mia and Anita and um, I think Anita and weirdly although she's meant to not have any emotions for me she has her own kind of personality mm -hmm. she's there's something um, I don't know there's 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 something in that in that Anita persona that I find very enjoyable to play um, and switching between the between the two is is great I, mean, I got to do that quite a lot with you yeah it's <laughs> from the human perspective you know working opposite Gemma is is fascinating because um, to to see the the level of detail that goes into performing, you know, we were talking about the synth school earlier, this, the simplest mm -hmm. of tasks, um, and to to still your body is is one challenge, you know. And then you add a, a, an emotional layer on top of that, which actually you can't be too emotional because the synth wouldn't be emotional. And then to watch the development from that to you know the cracking of the of the facade, and then the the Mia sort of springing through, um, yeah, it was just was really, you know, inspiring to watch. And then you just uh, see me nearly falling downstairs several times. I mean, that, oh, yeah. that's what doesn't make it into the show: the outtakes where I just bump into the set or the yeah. furniture. It's like, no, I'll go again. Sorry, I dropped the coffee mug. <laughs> Bad robot. Again. Yeah, it's very machine-like. <laughs> but it's it's kind of creepy. What you know, initially when our our scenes when, when um, you know Anita is is pretending to be you know just a, a synth towards Ed. You know, from the, from, from as an actor 
you know, you're always trying to play off the energy of, yeah. uh, you know, of your fellow actor and find moments. Where yeah. it's, it just feels really eerie acting opposite synth, you know, or right. interacting with well, Yeah, there is no energy and, you know, other than yeah, plug-in energy. But that's because yeah. she's doing a great job. So it's <laughs> yeah. like a weird paradox. Yeah. Well, season two of Humans airs on AMC Monday, February 13th at 9 p.m. Gemma Chan, Sam Palladio, and Tom Goodman-Hill, thanks for talking with me. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again to Home Chef for sponsoring today's episode. With Home Chef, I get to cook like a five-star chef whenever I want. Their mouth-watering meals and pre-portioned ingredients are so easy to prepare, it only takes 30 minutes. Craft a delicious meal that you're guaranteed to go wild for. Go to homechef.com slash kickass now and you'll get $30 in free meals. That's homechef.com slash kickass for 30 bucks in free meals. One more time, homechef.com slash kickass. I also want to thank the gang from Humans, Sam Vincent, Jonathan Brackley, Gemma Chan, Jonathan Goodman-Hill, and Sam Palladio for joining me on the podcast. Humans airs tonight, Monday, February 13th at 10, 9 central on AMC, or you can view it on demand. For more information, including bonus footage, interviews, and extras, visit amc.com slash shows slash humans. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes five minutes at podsurvey.com slash kick. You can visit Kick-Ass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at at kickassnewspod. And be sure to recommend Kick-Ass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash KickAssNews. Or click on the donate button at KickAssNews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at KickAssNews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.